if you're offended by any word in any language, it's probably because your parents were unfit to raise a child. There will be no loyalty except loyalty to the party. They're so threatened by the idea that a conservative speaker might be persuasive and interesting and funny. One man's vulgarity is another man's lyric. And I would say one person's offensive speech is somebody else's challenging the status quo, rocking the boat speech. Are you looking for a podcast that contains verbal safe spaces and is free from trigger warnings? If so, you've come to the wrong place. Because we expect our conversations to be filled with rigorous debate, discussion, and even disagreement. Welcome to the Socially Sensitive Podcast. Welcome, welcome. I'm your host, David. And I'm Wolfie. Yay. Taco's hey, still what? not here. He didn't make it. He said he has better things to do with his time than hang out with us. <laughs> Nah. Yeah, bunch bunch of old curmudgeons like us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's young. Nah. He's got better things to do. Well, let's start off with the, the mother that was upset that uh or the, the person was what who was it was saying that uh, they took their kids to the park and the teachers were showing the kids pornography. Yeah, well they were at they were at the playground, yeah, of the school. Yeah. And uh-huh. uh because <clears throat> I think there are some I've seen some things where I guess that they're teaching a lot of uh, really explicit. Um, yeah, that doesn't need to be sexual things, right? To, to right to little first kids. first grade, second grade to these little kids about sexual orientation and uh, you know this. And I, okay, I hate to sound like some kind of nut job, but here you go. Back years ago, I heard a someone say you get them before they're eight or it's too late because right after eight years old, a child's uh, idea of themselves becomes firmly planted in their, their little brains. Right. And uh, if you don't do something before that time to influence them, see, because that's the way, and I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to sound really insensitive and we're going to get yeah. our, our this, this is it. I'd say, I was going to say, that's, you, that's, you, you kind of said this people, last week, but this, that's how these people reproduce. Yeah. They can't do it naturally. Right. They have to influence the next generation of kids to come up and be gay, uh, lesbian, uh, trans, whatever. Right. They they weasel their way into the confidence of the, and it could be the parents, you know, not necessarily just you know, uh, but someone that that child, you know, respects. Right. But that's what I say. You, you, yeah, you, 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 you said that last week. We had, we had okay, this. thank you very much. I was going to say we had this conversation last week. That's okay. what that's what led us into the uh, smoking and alcohol thing conversation. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, but, yeah. But but we start. You started with uh, by eight, or it's too late. Um, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I am repeating myself. <laughs> Which I know I, I repeat myself a lot, but normally not week to week. <laughs> well, here's the thing: maybe if, if I'm repeating myself, it's probably because somebody out there needs to right. Hear it. They not need that, to hear it, right? Not, not that they are hearing it because <laughs> you know we have such a small audience. Yeah. But we 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 yeah we we care for all y'all. I mean, That's right. You know, as far as it all goes. 
you know, we want you to listen and we appreciate you listening. But every, uh, every number counts. That's right. Join the socially citizen uh, nation. Yeah. And, you know, tell your friends about us so we can grow. And, and maybe somebody that needs to hear what I'm saying or, or David saying or Taco saying, if we can ever get him back in studio. Yeah. This is a story about uh, this guy's name. I think he's Ole London um, is his name. He's a mm-hmm. white British influencer and singer. Um, and he recently came out as non-binary. And he uses the pronouns they and them. And he's also racially racial transitioning. Or he had racial transitional surgery. Um, because he's wanting to be Korean. He identifies as Korean, so here's his little quick audio of him. Or anyone online as British, because I, I identify as Korean. That's just my culture. That's my home country. That's exactly how I look now. Um, and I also identify as Jimmy, and that's my Korean name. But uh, not only that, I just... I, I know it's a little bit confusing for some people. Nobody's ever come out as Jimmy or Korean, but um, this is something that you guys know if you've followed my journey for the last eight years. I've really struggled with identity issues, with who I am, you know. So, um... Well, it makes about as much sense as a man thinking that he's a woman. I mean, you can be British and think you're Korean. You know, I'm I'm more in line with that <laughs> yeah. than a man thinking he can be a woman, right? Just because he cuts it off his stuff, you know. But <clears throat> so, at, at what point do I mean? I guess that's the uh, in the picture. Yeah, he had uh, he's had eighteen different surgeries, plastic surgeries. Um, most of them around his cheeks and his eyes, and uh, he looks Korean now. So, uh, I mean, the surgeon did a good job. He's um, always felt like he's a Korean. Yeah, I guess. Even it, though he sounds British. It worked the same for, uh, what's his name, uh, Sean King. Um, uh, he's, isn't he a white guy that identifies as black? And uh, what's her name, Rachel Dolezal? She was uh, she identified as black for a long time. She was actually head of the uh, NAACP. The head of what? She she identified as black, and she was the he- head of the uh, NAACP. And she was white. Yeah, but she huh. always but everybody thought she was black. She had her hair like permed, really kinky, curly, and she always uh-huh. wore like tons of bronzer and really dark tan and. And uh, she told everybody pretty much that she was black, that her parents were black. But uh, And then it came out that both her parents were white, white. Hmm. And she stepped down as president. And uh, But then there for a while, and then now she identifies as black. Uh, let's see, what's her? Actually, she's. I think she's changed her name, too. What she changed it to? It doesn't matter. That's that's silly. <laughs> um, she changed it. She had it legally changed to Nikichi Amera Diallo, which is Nigerian phrase that means gift of God. Yeah, that's uh, like I said, I, I'm actually more for somebody that says they want to be Korean or 
Canadian or whatever, more so than I am a man saying he can be a woman or a woman thinking he, she can be a man. Yeah, because I would think that if you want to identify that you really like another culture, just really want to submerge yourself in that culture, um, to me, that has way fewer ramifications on society yeah, than, sure than the male-female mix. Because if in, in a perfect world, if you wanted to let everyone say, okay, you, cannot, you identify as whatever you want, you live your life however you want, that's fine. But, but then you're, like we were talking about the, the, the man that went, you know, this week in the, uh, uh, in the spa. And we we kind of well yeah that's I mean he's <clears throat> he he that man he says he identifies as a woman in the in the video you know the the customer the other patrons are upset in the spa because the man comes into the female locker room um, strips down naked and is you know but he identifies as a woman even though there's nothing. Is he in the- is he in the process of transitioning? Oh, no. no, there's nothing. He, he dresses like a man. He, I mean, he's not attempting at all. Um, I mean, he, it'd be like me walking into. Yeah. So there, and just saying that I'm a, a woman. So now I can strip naked in front of these uh, other women and children because there were minor bas- children, minor girls. Basically an there. exhibitionist. Right. And who's using that so he can get his jollies walking right. into a woman's area right or someplace where he's not supposed to be right and if he were you know if he were to tell the truth and say yeah i'm straight i'm just doing this to get my rocks off then he would you know he would be taken to off by the police right he's a pervert that's what he is but in this situation and back like you said year a few years ago when when this was beginning to snowball and this was one of the slippery slope <laughs> arguments that people were using that eventually this is going to happen. And then huh? on the left side, they would always say, no, that's ridiculous. Nobody would do that. Nobody's going to do that. And it's like, of course, the depravity of man is eventually going to happen. Sure it is. You know, somebody's going and to I'm do su- something like I'm that. I'm surprised it hasn't happened before now. Right. That's why uh, almost every slippery slope argument happens. It's because if you continue to let things deteriorate... It's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, you don't hold anybody accountable for what they do, for their actions or anything like that. Everything's okay to do regardless of what it is. Right. You know, it doesn't matter. Everything's okay. And there, I mean, you've started your slippery slope. Right. And now you see things just the whole, just all of the society, just they're just trying to deteriorate it. Right. I mean, they use they it, the same thing worked with the unemployment. With people were arguing, you, if people, if you're going to pay all these people unemployment to not come to work, and then give them all the stimu- stimulus money, and then now you're going to give them child tax credit money, and you're going to some people aren't going to work, and they were like, no, people like to have a purpose. Their, their argument was, no, that's not going to happen. People aren't going to take advantage of the system. People like to have a purpose. People like to. No. Yes, yes, they are. People are going to take advantage. And I've got a story for that. I may have told it on the on this podcast before, but my sister works in uh, medical billing is what she does. And she's worked at several different doctor's offices here in town. 
she she told a story back a few years ago. She was sitting at her desk. She was also at this one particular office. She was doing the medical billing insurance part of it, and she was working this afternoon as a as a receptionist. So she had to man the front desk, and she had two ladies sitting right outside where she was at, and she overheard their conversation. Yeah. And this is back when they were pushing ten care uh, and starting it up and everything like that. And uh, one of the ladies, her husband, had lost his job, and they had went on ten care. Now, and I understand that that's what the the uh, I understand that's what it's for. Okay, I, I'm I'm not busting on her for that. Right. But the, her friend that she was talking to said, "Well, your husband found a job. Are you going to get off of it now?" And she said, "No." It took me too long, and I fought too hard to get on it to begin with. I'm not <laughs> going to give it up now. Right. So right there is your is your proof. You know, you give people the opportunity to abuse something, they will do it, and they don't care. Right. Just because people are – now, it's not saying everybody. A lot of people are, are will do the right thing. But there's when you're dealing with millions and millions of people – there's always going to be handfuls of people who are going to take advantage of the system. I would say, okay, if we're going to go down this road as a society with the, with the gender like that, then you'd have to redo genderless everything. Every locker room, every shower, every bathroom, every everything would have to be individual. You have your single locker stall. You have your individual mm -hmm. bathroom. And mm -hmm. I'm all for that anyway, because I don't want to mix around with other people that I don't know either way, whether, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's how it was when we were in. I mean, you remember back, you know, when we were growing up, you know, you had the full showers and the mixed showers and people. I'm not mixed as far as gender, but I mean, you're like when you're a little, you know, 12 year old kid. You don't want to shower in there with all these other 12 year old kids. And, and now they, I mean, now it's, it's pretty individual, but it's still, you know, kind of mixed locker rooms. Well, I guess in the schools that still have phys ed, most oh, of them, yes. most of them Sorry don't anymore, that. but. Well, or any kind of athletics program and at the high school level. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, it wasn't individual shower stalls. Uh, it was just one great big room with, you know, probably about eight to 10 shower heads coming out of the wall. Yeah. And you went in there, you, you know, if you wanted to use the facility, it was there. It was, you could use it, but there was no privacy at all. Right. But I remember we went a few years ago. I remember when we went with scouts, we went to a summer camp with the boy scouts and uh, the camp that we went to, they had just built like that summer before we got there, this new, big, nice mess hall, you know, it was enormous. It was, you know, it was mm -hmm. probably, I'd say a 40,000 square foot building. It was a massive mess hall, kitchen, you know, cafeteria, dining area, stage area. Um, but the restrooms in it that they had built, and I guess they were future proofing it. Um, and they were nice, uh, but you went into the restroom area, so you'd go through a doorway or into like the restroom, but all it was was a long hallway with mm -hmm. doors all the way down the hallway to your left and right. 
and it was all genderless bathrooms, but every one of them was a separate room. You went, opened the door, went into that room, closed it. There was, you know, the commode and the sink and everything. Everything was a self-contained bathroom in every yeah. single one of those rooms. Um, and I liked it. It was so, nice. Well, so it didn't matter, well, like, male, uh, female, anything. So sink, shower, everything, uh, toilet, whole nine yards. Yeah. Here's something rather interesting. Uh, when I went to Germany, uh, I was stationed in a place called Schaffensburg, and the uh, housing units that we were uh, that I was assigned to were old World War II barracks. And when I got there, uh, much like the high school locker room shower stall that I had in my high school. Right. Was in the uh, the barracks. It was the same thing. It was just one great big room with a bunch of shower heads. Yeah, on know, the wall. The wall. Yeah. yeah, and uh, shortly after I got there, they tore that out and put in uh, more modern uh, stuff. It was, uh, and they basically they took it and they made it into individual stalls. So that you walked into the bathroom, on one side you had sinks and a mirror to do your shaving, you know, and stuff like that. And then on the other side, there was just two rows going back. And it was kind of like going into a, a toilet, like over here, you know, you open up the little door and you go into the uh, toilet. Yeah. That's right there. Okay. But in, in, in this case, you would open up the little door and there was a little area right here with a bench. You could sit down, take off your shoes and socks and stuff like that. But then stand up and, and step back to the next area, and that's where you actually took your shower. And they had like a shower curtain that would oh, partition yeah. between the two two sides. That way, when you turned the shower on, you didn't get all your clothes and stuff wet. Yeah. And that's what we had the rest of the time I was there. But uh, yeah, I was I was ooh, I was living in like I said World War II barracks. <laughs> they still had they had they had pictures of the Germans that lived in the barracks previous to, to us occupying it, hanging up in uh, battalion headquarters. Hmm. It's a rather interesting little piece of history. That's cool. Yeah. That sounds kind of like the here, the camp here in Harlan, camp Blanton, um, their uh, shower house. That sounds pretty similar mm -hmm. to how they are. They have the little divided rooms like that. The shower curtain in the front with a little changing area and then the other curtain mm -hmm. puts you into the shower stall itself. Yes, where mm -hmm. you could get prepared to take a shower, undress everything and then and then shower and then when you now got the door, out a drying area and the door was like a like a toilet door. You know what I'm saying? Like you go into the, the bathroom. Right. It had like a little thing you twist and it would hold the door shut for you and everything like that. Oh. And you, you go in, you, you shut it, and you lock it, and you could sit down and take off your stuff. There was pegs for you to hang your stuff on and stuff like that. And then, then there was a shower curtain. You stepped into the shower area. And it mm -hmm. wasn't very big. It yeah. wasn't huge or anything like that. It was just big enough, you know, to do what you needed to do. Right. Like a little four-by-four four room. Yeah. That's yeah. just about it. Yeah, that's how the camp lands. Do what you need to do. The only thing is they don't have a door on the front one. They've got a shower curtain on the front one and a shower curtain on the middle one. Yeah, they actually had a little, but like I said, it, it, it's like a toilet bathroom. It didn't get, it didn't go all the way to the, the floor. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. You know, so you know, like you go in just like a regular bathroom. You see the little short doors that they have. Right. 
it's just enough. Basically, basically, it's just enough to let you know that if there's someone, someone in there. on the ground, <laughs> you know, looking in at you. I mean, it, it was nice enough. And like I said, we, I didn't, if I wasn't working, you know, if I didn't have to be on post, I was always gone somewhere. So it didn't really matter. Hmm. It's not to me. I go, I go jump on a train and go, uh, just wherever. Explore the countryside. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a beautiful fun. area over there. So what's our next topic going to be? Um, happened on Sunday. There was in Minneapolis, um, you know, um, BLM activists, there was like a, a march, which there's pretty much one in Minneapolis, seems like daily. But uh, there was a large group, <clears throat> and they uh, they surrounded the blocking vehicles in the street like they do. Is this um, the one where they uh, blocked the ambulance and was twerking on the ambulance, and they're just trying to get to save no, somebody's life? No, I saw that one, but that was a, a rough one, too. Um, but no, this one is they blocked, they happened to see and either recognize or realize somehow. Um, Andrea Jenkins is one of the uh, Minneapolis City Council members in her car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they all surrounded her car and would not let her leave. And and, uh, in the video, they were there forever. Um, Some of the reports I saw said that it was like for close to two hours. Um, And they wouldn't let her leave. And they had written up a statement that they wanted her to sign. And it was a statement that uh, all of the charges against all of the other alleged rioters in the city would be dropped. Not that she has any of that authority anyway. Um, alleged rioters? Yeah. That's ridiculous. And You uh, either are a rioter or you're not a rioter. Right. And if you can prove it in the court of law that you're not a rioter, then you're not a rioter. Right. But if they've got pictures of you actually breaking into a place and taking things, then you're a rioter. And uh, and if you don't want to be accused of being an alleged rioter, then don't go out and riot. It's pretty simple. It's you know, it's one of those things that uh, it doesn't take a a rocket doctor or a to figure out. So yeah. if you don't want to get accused of rioting, then don't go out don't and go riot. Right. Problem is nobody Jeez. knows the difference between protest and riot anymore. Yeah, no, they don't. They don't. No. Dr. King knew. Yeah. Him and his group, his crew, they knew the difference between a protest and a riot. Yeah. But uh, this this generation doesn't. Yep. Um, yeah, if you're out there peaceably making your voices heard, that's a protest. You can, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit of civil disobedience, but once you start, uh, yeah, causing uh, violence and physical, you know. Your rights uh, end at the tip of my nose. Right. So, or my property, you can't damage any of yeah, my property. That too. That too, yeah. Redefining words is, is the biggest thing that the, the left likes to do. Well, sure. It well, if, if we go out, or if a group is out rioting and and burning buildings and looting stores, if well, the no, left can continue on the, to on the, 
on the political bent of the people. Now, if they're right. Democrats, that's a peaceful protest right. or a mostly peaceful protest. But if it's a, a more conservative type people that are doing that, then that's a riot or, a, or an insurgent. You know, they say or, up in Washington, D.C. Right. That's an insurrection. Yeah. My, pers- my, my thing is, is how come certain people are allowed to go up and, and storm the Capitol? And Nancy Pelosi says, well, it's the people's house. They have a right to be here. Right. But if it's a Trump supporter or a conservative, all of a sudden, oh, they're up here for nefarious reasons. They're trying to overthrow the government. Right. That's one of the clips that I posted yeah. today in the group was to see because they arrested <clears throat> the FBI. They arrested the a 69 year old woman today that was uh, for entering the U S Capitol without lawful authority. Um, she was one of the, the new ones that is, that was recently arrested. If what Nancy says is that it's the people's house and basically our tax money. Uh, right. Well, it's, that's like saying, I can't go downtown. To yeah, the but, but Nancy was and wrong. Go into the courthouse, but Nancy was wrong. Um, I'm sure she is. It was, and you, this is wrong, also. Right. I mean, well, as no, long as you go in, no, I mean, it is the in. people's house, but you, it's, it's, you have to go in the right way. Um, yeah, I get that, and that's what I'm saying. According to what I heard about this story, the police were standing there with it, holding the door open for the 69 year old lady. Right. Yeah. The video. There's video go of her house. going in. The Capitol Police is holding the door for her, letting her in. So, in yeah, exactly. in, in my view, that's uh, that does away the with the that that gave that was lawful authority, mm-hmm. um, giving yeah. her permission. Um, yes. Because we've been in the Capitol when we've gone in. You go through the door. Capitol Police, you know, allows you in or they don't allow you in. If they allow you in, that's how you go in. Um, I don't know. When we went uh, in. Then, there, and here's here's the thing. Like I said, the, now, the, the people that went up there and actually broke things. Right. Or, if you did damage, you should be held or, accountable or, for it. Or stole things, then yes, you, you need to be held accountable for those things. Right. But for the, the mass, vast majority of people that just, like this little old lady that were led into the, by the police. Right. And all they did was walk around and they didn't really touch anything. Then I really don't see as where you can call that an insurrection or even anything that you could charge somebody with. Now, if they let her in and then as soon as she got through the door, she decided she was going to, you know, start tossing statues down and busts of people right. and tearing crap up. Then, yeah, you get her for vandalism. But if all she did was just walk in and look around and then leave. What is the problem? Well, here, here's a clip, you know, because it keeps coming out this week about all of the uh, the people that they haven't charged, that there are, there's a, a I don't say a large number, but I, I can't remember the exact number, how many they said there were. There were, it was dozens of people that were in there, that are on video in there, that were a part of it that haven't been charged that were communicating with the FBI and the Capitol police days before. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the stories around it is that they're either an informants or they were working, you know, whatever out there working, uh, at the protest, if you want to call it that. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. 
no matter what you talk about that, it's complete conspiracy theory is what everybody says. But uh, here's, here's a clip of Tucker. Last night, we opened this show with new information about what happened at the Capitol on January 6th. No day, it's fair to say, in recent American history has received more media attention or been used for greater political effect by partisan actors. Because of January 6th, our attorney general told us this week, we've got to change our country forever. And yet, given all the talking, the endless talking about January 6th, it is remarkable what we still don't know about what actually took place that day. Until this Monday night, for example, when it was reported by Revolver News, we had no idea that at least 20 organizers and participants in the events at the Capitol have not been indicted, despite the nationwide dragnet for people who were there. This is interesting. The government knows exactly who these people are, but has refused to charge them with crimes. Why is that? Well, because it seems like they may have had some connection to the government. Some of the people who broke into the Capitol, committed crimes while inside, and encouraged others to do the same appear to have been in contact with the FBI before the event. Let that sink in for a moment. The events of January 6th that you keep hearing about endlessly, events that Democrats in Congress describe as an act of war carried out by white supremacists, as dangerous and historically significant as Pearl Harbor and 9-11, those events apparently were at least in part organized and carried out in secret by people connected to federal law enforcement. It's hard to think of a bigger potential scandal than this one. Now it's clear why the government won't release more than 14,000 hours of surveillance footage shot at the Capitol that day. People they know are on the tape. Well, last night, clips from our show began to circulate on social media. The tech monopolies, which helped get Joe Biden elected, continued to work closely with the administration to control the news and information that you are allowed to see, because it's America, right? Well, this piece of news, the one on our show last night, was a problem for them, so they tried to make it go away. Twitter appended the following note to our clip last night, quote, Federal law does yeah. not permit cooperating witnesses or informants to be charged with conspiracy, despite a baseless... Sounds to me like it was all very scripted. Either way, as a matter, of, I seen a, I seen a, and this is this is anecdotal, so you know it's just what it is. Right. But uh, I seen a, a rather interesting meme of an individual who was supposed to be an Antifa leader, and they they claimed that there were no Antifa people at the Capitol, but the two pictures of this individual. The second is not a really good shot, but it looks a whole lot like it. enough. It looks enough like the man that if just an individual just in passing would be like, you probably need to pull him in and find out where he was at that day. Right. And ask him some questions. Cause I mean, that's how close it is. I mean, it's not a great picture. You know, I think the, the first one was like a mug shot and the other one he had had on and stuff like that. And you kind of, you could see a, a good portion of his face, but not enough to make a, a positive ID, but right. enough to where, you know, a, a cautious individual looking at that would be like, eh, it looks a whole heck of a lot like him. And I think we should probably bring him in and ask him some questions. Right. And just and to I, be sure, I would have no problem with them doing how they do with that side. If they're saying, okay, every single person that came in, we're charging them with trespassing. Even if you know, say we, we know you didn't, because a lot of them didn't know. 
I, my guess is there was a lot of those people just wandering mm-hmm. in following the crowd. A lot. Well, sure. And if you've got the police hold the door open right. for you, you're thinking it's okay to go on in. Right. But a lot of them did. But I'm I'm saying, okay, ignorance of the law is not, you know, defense. So, um, yeah, if you aren't supposed to be, according to Thomas Jefferson. Right. So if, you, if you're going to be charged, if you're charging them with trespassing, charge everybody, the ones who did damage, charge whatever you're going to charge them with. I have no problem with. If you're going to charge everybody on the left, all summer long with all of the riots and all of every time somebody was out, you know, because you've got video of people out there beating people in the streets. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, you do. They've still got, you know, David Dorn where he was killed. I mean, you have videos of all of this stuff that they're putting no effort into. Yeah, no. Uh, and, and a lot of the people, some that did get arrested, None of the DAs are charging any of them. They're all just releasing all of them, um, even though they were, you know, doing well. There was millions of dollars in damages through. I believe I through. heard during the election cycle that uh, Camilla and some of the other high-ranking Democrats were actually putting up bail money to get these people out of jail so that they could go back out on the street. Well, she wasn't putting up and, bail money, but she was tweeting out one of the defense funds that that does raise money for it which in in essence to me with her millions of followers is way more valuable than her actually putting up cash is her presenting it to millions of people to hey if you all can support this um these people need your help um this this is a uh even though she no money out of her pocket actually came but that's far more valuable what she did. Sure, sure it is. But, and and I have no problem with all of because if all of them broke the law, all of them need to be held accountable. The problem is that when we don't hold some accountable, or you have people, you know, I don't know all the like I said, all the things like that happening, and then nothing's done, and then you have someone on the well, other it, side. Uh, like the McCloskeys, you know, where they were charged. And uh, yeah. they, and here's the thing. they I believe they were Democrats uh, before all this crap right. happened to them. Right. And then, you know, all of a sudden these people come right into their neighborhood, which they had to pass a barrier to get into, which say it was marked with a no trespass. Yeah, they were, they were all trespassing and all on private property. Even yes, all of those all- roads. The road in there is private property. Yes, yes, it is. <clears throat> and they came out, and they were on their specific piece of property where their home was. Right. And, and I, all they were doing was holding weapons, and the people in the crowds were telling them, hey, I'm going to kill you, and I'm going to live in that room right up there. Right. And not one of those people were charged with anything. Not one of them with anything. Right. But the McCloskeys did because they actually brandished a firearm. All right. And they actually pled out this week, which is dumb. Yeah, I don't think they should have either. They, they accepted a plea deal. I heard he was going to run for some kind of office. Yeah, I was thinking he was run, trying to run for mayor, maybe. Um, yeah, and he should. I heard a good interview today with the uh, mayor of Miami. It was the Rubin Report. Oh, Dave Rubin's show he had him on there he was interviewing him but they were talking about uh 
they had Trump on the radio today. Yeah, he was on the Ruben. He was on Dave Rubin's show yesterday. The guys that uh, they chose to take Russia's slot uh, on his radio station. Those two guys, I can't remember yeah. what, uh, what their names was, but they were. He was on their show, and I think they said he was on his show for a, a better part of an hour. They were interviewing him. Yeah, yeah. Trump signed up. Him. He signed up for Rumble too. But that's what Dave Rubin was well, on Trump's interview. That's what he was asking him about the different social medias and if he missed Twitter and you know putting stuff out there like that, which he's still doing those daily. Uh, I think multiple times a day, sometimes those um, basically like a press release mm-hmm. that he keeps putting out. Um, he has been, as far as recent presidents, he's been the most effective in using social media uh, than oh, anybody yeah. in recent history. I yeah. mean, even Biden, he didn't do that. He didn't uh, well, tweet no. hardly. He stuck. No. He hung out in his basement. No, but but granted, social media has changed a lot. I mean, with every president. I mean, Obama would have really been the only other one that could have even used it, really. Um, yeah. And he, I mean, he kind of did a little, but not nothing. Nothing like what Trump no. did. But I remember he went on, uh, what's his name's podcast? Uh, Obama did when he was still president. Um, mm-hmm. uh What's his name? Mark, uh, Mark Marin. He mm-hmm. went on his podcast, which I thought was kind of cool because Mark Marin does his podcast out of his garage. Mm-hmm. He's got oh, a, gosh. He's got a little setup kind of like we do. And uh, that's awesome. And Obama just showed up. Now he didn't just show up. The Secret Service, uh, listen to Mark Marin talk about it. He said the. They were there for like two weeks beforehand. They were like vetting all the neighbors. They were doing all this work. They had mm-hmm. snipers on all the neighbors' houses, you know, as he was coming right. in. They built this big canopy thing that they could drive the vehicle into so then he could, you know, enter the house with no, you know, outside visibility. And uh, so, I mean, they took all of the precautions, but, uh, well, sure. And as a former president, sure, yeah, they should. Well, no, he, he was president at the time. Oh, he was president He at was the still time. president okay. well, when yeah. he did it. Okay, so this was when he was in office. Yeah. Well, then, yeah, sure, they should have done that. I mean, that's their job, and he is the president. Yeah, because I remember they made a big deal about it because uh, Obama dropped the N-bomb during the middle. <laughs> oh, it, he did, it, huh? yeah. right in the middle of it? Yeah. Because he, well, he asked him, because Mark Maron asked him about it, about saying Mm -hmm. it. And, you know, like I said, this was back during his, so it it was like in the, whatever, 2012, 2013. I don't remember exactly when he was on there. But it was Mm -hmm. uh, about, because they were talking about the power of the word and people not being able to use it. and Yeah, I kind of don't like that whole mentality of there's a word that I'm allowed to use, but you can't. It just seems kind of wrong to me. Now, granted, it is a a hurtful word and that is, you know, and I I don't like it, but, you know, I mean, 
does your right to not be butthurt, does it trump my right to say what I want to say? Does, to, does it trump my freedom of speech? The fact that you don't want to be butthurt? Right, yeah. Over it, a word? Yeah, it was in two, August of 15 is when they did it. So it's towards the end of his term. Yeah, you should be able to be free to say anything you want. Yeah, sure. You just also, as, as an individual that is free to say whatever it is they want, then you have to be an adult and you have to take the consequences of your actions. Right. Now, just talking, speaking, saying words, uh, that shouldn't entail any kind of jail time. Right. Unless, of course, you're threatening the lives of people. Then, you know. Well, it shouldn't affect any, any kind of thing. But if you're just walking down the street and you're just talking and you say something, and you know somebody doesn't like it, then so what? Right. Should it should never lead to violence? No, it shouldn't. I mean, if you've got a certain group of people that can say a certain word, and they don't get upset at each other for saying it to each other, then why should they be upset when anybody else that's not in that subset says it too? Right. If you're not going to get upset. And this is something that I couldn't understand, and I tried to I tried to talk to some people about it when I was in the military. I was like, you know, I don't understand why it is that you will allow another person of your of your race, so to speak, to right. say this word to you, call you this, but you won't let someone from say from me. You it would be offensive, but you'll. But see, and I don't understand all the negative connotations that go with it. Right. You do. You know it because you, you, you know, maybe you haven't lived it or maybe you have a little bit and maybe your parents lived it even more than what you have. Right. So they know the negative connotation that goes along with that, you know, and, and definitely probably the grandparents, they definitely know the negative right. connotations that goes along with it. And you would think that since they know to a certain extent, then they wouldn't want to put that on each other. Right. But it seems like they are okay with that. There's just so many things well, that a, I just don't there's understand. A lot of, there's a lot of people that don't, that they say, personally, I'm not going to say it, but I'm not going to tell yeah. somebody else not to say it. You know, they should be allowed to say it or not say it, however they, yeah. you know. But they've given the word so much power now that they use it to justify violence. Yeah, and they, and then it shouldn't. Right, like they'll say that. Uh, well, do you see? Did you see the video of the? Uh, mm, was it in New York this week? I can't remember where it was. The food vendor gets attacked mm -hmm. um, by like a dozen people, and they you know they throwing things at him, beating him. I, I can't remember. Why, why did they attack a food vendor? Was he selling bad hot dogs or something? Mob mentality. They were out there, and and then some. Somebody said that he said he used a racial slur, so that mm -hmm. justified it. Because everybody's like, "Well, well, well what do you do then?" Well, it's kind of like, did you see the video last week of the uh, the gay pride parade and a uh, Puerto Rican Day parade? It's kind of at the same time celebration, mm -hmm. and that man and woman drove through, and they had a Puerto Rican flag hanging off their car. And uh, um, a lot of uh, 
African American gay pride supporters uh, drug them out of their car, and the, you see the guy in the video. He shoots both of them. They just drag them out on the ground beside the car in the middle of the street. Everybody's excuse was that they thought that they had a rebel flag hanging on the car. That it wasn't. And there again, so what if they did have one? It's still their right to do that. You may not like it, and that's fine. Right. But you don't have a right to shoot somebody just because of the flag they're flying. Right. Unless they're shooting at you first. But there were blue checkmark Twitter accounts that were uh, justifying it that uh, because they were thinking it was the rebel flag. But then, then still, and that's then, that's no reason to pull someone out of their oh, car no. and kill them right, right in the middle of the street. Right. The woman, I think the woman died and the, I think the guy survived, but I think their two kids were in the back seat too. I hope someone's going to have charges pressed against them. Doubt it. Yeah, no, they should be. Yeah, should somebody should have walked up and shot them right there in the street defending them. Yeah, I'd have been okay with that. But. And if they don't do something about it, if that man is able to, uh, if he survives and is able to actually walk and and talk and 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 be normal again, or at least as normal as you can be after you've been pulled out of a car. If sometime down the road he decides he's going to go out and shoot the people in the head that shot his wife in the head and killed her, or however they shot her, right. then I don't think anything should happen to him. If you're not going to prosecute this guy for doing it, then why are you going to process this guy for doing it? That's why lady or the, the lady justice, she's got a blindfold on. All she can hear are the facts. She doesn't see anybody. She doesn't see color. She doesn't see gender. She doesn't see anything. All she hears is the facts. Yeah. And that, that's the way it's supposed to be. There was that shooting. And, this, if you'll, and if you notice, the scales are even. Right. They're never tipped one way or another. They're supposed to be even. There was a shooting this week, too, uh, in Colorado. So the Colorado man, um, John Hurley, he confronted. There was a, a gunman came out um and you know had an ar-15 style rifle so the Mm -hmm. media has to play that up but uh um uh shot somebody and then john hurley was an armed civilian citizen nearby they came up and then shot him you know saving Mm -hmm. lots of people Um, right and then the police pulled up and then shot him not knowing, mm. uh, thinking he was the gunman, um, right. ki- and killed him. Um, but he he picked they they uh, you know because the report was you know a man with an AR style rifle, and I think he shot him with a pistol. But then after he shot him, he went over and picked up his rifle, I guess to secure it. Is when right. the police pulled up, he's holding it. So you know. I don't want to say they jumped it a little bit, but yeah, they did a lot. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know how he was holding it. I mean, I don't, I haven't seen any video of that, so I don't know how he he was holding the weapon. If he was pointing it at people, if he was pointing, I wouldn't think, but I don't know. So I don't know what was going on with the officer when he pulled up, other than the fact that you know they knew there was a gunman and people had been shot, and 
they pull up and they see him standing there and boom, they end it. But that's where I can kind of see the point of some people saying the police need to have more training. And, and they do. I mean, oh, they when, need you're a lot more that, training. when you, when you're answering that type of call, adrenaline's going to be through the roof. Right. You've got to get there because you've already been told that shots have been fired. And your main job is to get there and, and secure the area and make sure people are safe and stop the violence. And your adrenaline is through the roof. Right. I'm sure. And so when you roll up on that situation, see, now that's where I think more supplemental training would be beneficial. Right. So that when they step out of that car, yeah, my adrenaline is through the roof, but I've been trained, you know, on what I need to do and how I need to react and how I need to respond and, uh, and not just come out. And as soon as you see somebody just, you know, pull that weapon and start shooting at them. Right. You know, I mean, I you know should we, be artic- yeah, I mean, I can see you pull the weapon and you point it at them, but you should be articulating something as you're pointing it, you know, sir, put the weapon down. This is the police, right. you know, whole nine yards. You got to let them know what's going on. You know, right. But accidents are always still going to happen. But sure they are. And we've sure, talked things about are it. always going to happen because we're we're human right. and we're not we're not infallible. But we've talked it's about the training before happen. like that that I mean you should always be striving for. I mean you want everybody to be I don't know. Yes. Um a perfect a, a perfect officer, the best shot, the best training, the best decisions, the best everything. And if all you're doing is requiring the bare minimum state requirements, to maintain your mm-hmm. job because yeah. of budget. Well, see, and here's something else. I've talked to some police officers and they've told me that they can shoot really, or and I'm not going to mention any names, but they've kind of, they've all said that they can, well, not all of them. Some of them that I've spoken to have said that they can shoot very well. And they have, I've watched them do it. Right. But when it comes qualifying time, they don't shoot as well as what they could because if it ever comes up in court, Oh, you're shooting, High nineties and almost a hundred, which means you can put a bullet pretty much anywhere you want it right. at any given time. You see, and that's why they don't want to do that, right? Because okay, yeah, right, okay, I am a good shot, but there's there's two different situations. I'm on the range, I'm in a controlled environment. No one's really pointing a gun at me. I'm shooting at paper. Right. My adrenaline level is down. Everything's good. Now, in this situation where there's a man or a woman or whoever holding a gun on me and I get out of my car, I'm already, you know, they've already, they're already, they, they very well could be out and mobile and, and moving around. And I'm pulling up and trying to get out of a car and get my weapon out. And, you know, adrenaline's high and maybe he's already killed or shot some people and there's bodies laying around and, you know, that pumping and and you just you got to get out and you know you pull the trigger right you you want the you want the bullet to go where you aim it and it's going to then you want to hit that individual to stop the threat right but uh but you don't want to uh you know you just it's 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 just a weird situation i mean because like i said two totally different situations you're on a range shooting you're in an actual life and death situation shooting. It's, right. it's two totally different things. But but you want to have done enough training. Yes. Um, yes. That it 
when you are in that life and death situation that it's it still comes second nature i mean your adrenaline is yes. still going to be pumping everything's going to be up but you've done it so many times you know, it's kind of like you listen to, I, you know, Fighter and the Kid, and there's a podcast I watch. It's Brandon Schaub. He talks a lot about fighting um, mm -hmm. in MMA, and he, there's there's a difference between there are a lot of people who train that do jujitsu class, that they do boxing classes, they do all these classes and training. Mm -hmm. But they've never been in the ring to actually compete. Right. And he said, until you do that, you're never going to be there. You know, you're still because it's two completely still different worlds. But mm -hmm. the more training you do, the more prepared you're going to be when it does happen. But the problem is, yes. if, if you're, you know, how often are you required to go to the range to train? Once, once a year. Once a year, and is once that anywhere near enough? Oh no, I don't think so. No. And I mean, right, I and, and here's the thing: I work in a jail, so I don't carry a gun every day. Right, right. But 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 even the times that I do, the times that I do carry a gun, uh, it's enough. Right, but even, the year even if you were with the getting, city on the street, how often would you have to train? No, Cert certification is still the same, right? Right. Yeah, pretty much. Once a year, you go and you shoot, you get your call. Now, uh, if you're in a special tactical unit, then there may be, because I don't know anything about those. Right. Uh, so there may be some different uh, uh, expectations are there, but, so I don't know. But, uh, but, but you're every, what I know, it's, it's once a year. But your everyday street policeman interacting with who knows who on the street every day that average mm -hmm. officer is only required to do the bare minimum. Yeah. And which you all have said before, anytime you require something, then it has to be paid for. I mean, it has to be financed. It has to be, if they're mm -hmm. going to require a weekly class, then that's a paid weekly class. If they're going to pay, you know, Yeah, and I know it all comes, we we've said that a thousand times. And that's, it all comes that's going to be, yeah, money. you're going to be sitting in a classroom and you're going to get paid for it, which means somebody's going to cover your shift out on the road, which means right. that could possibly be overtime. And they don't want to pay that. They don't yeah. want to do that. But if you, you ever want to see it, where anybody prioritizes anything, look at where they put the money. So oh, if yeah. they don't put any money into training and to certification and to eliminate things like that, then it, no matter how much they say it, it's not a priority. Yeah, no, it's not. You're right. You're right. That's, and that's, that's, that's like what they always say, follow the money. Yeah. Uh, tell you where they're, you know, and I, there's just, there's just not, and, and the thing of it is, is there's just not enough time in the day. There's just not enough, you know, and a lot of officers, they, they do that. Uh, they do the Academy, however long that is, you know, uh, and, and, and once they get out, they're like, well, I'm done. You know, I don't want to do any of that stuff ever again. I'm just going to, you know, go out and do my job now. Right. And you have those officers and, and, you know, it's, uh, uh, it is what it is. Right. But take it the same way with the military. If you keep lowering the standards, 
to get in. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you could say, well, okay, if we raise the standards on the police force, if we require this amount of training and all of these things, a lot of people wouldn't like it. And a lot of people wouldn't be in it. You'd lose some officers, but the ones you would have, I would think would be better. Mm-hmm. So you're going to weed out the weak. This is what kills me about, about the military and the police and the fire and the EMT people. Uh, the, you know, the, is they always talk about, and you hear people talk about, and they call these people heroes. And I'm not going to argue that point. And they, up until recently with the police, now, of course, they've fallen out of favor. They've taken it on the chin here recently. But they, you know, they're talking about how, how these guys are heroes and, and how they, everything that we could do. But then, you know, you look at some of the wages that these people make. Right. Uh, for a year and you're like really you think you you think that highly of these these individuals and then you go out and you pay them that if you actually believed what you were saying you would be paying these people more money right but they don't really believe it so no sure they don't that's like you said you got to follow the money and see where they're spending of that and that's what they prioritize yeah well it comes down to okay can we continue to cut this and get away with mm-hmm. it as long as we can continue to get away with it or even if we don't get away with it but it costs us less you know we lose a few million in lawsuits to the city and this or this but in the big picture mm-hmm. we save this amount of money um yeah now there may be some cities out there that genuinely want to do the right thing um i don't know but like I said, listening to that interview with the mayor of uh, Miami, I really, I mean, I really liked a lot of what he was saying, but he was mainly talking about COVID and uh, um, taxation and stuff like that. But, uh, but he's a big fan of uh, what's Florida's governor, DeSantis, which he, I like DeSantis too. Yeah. He's, I think he's going to run. It makes a lot of sense. He very well may. Yeah, I don't think. And I don't this think is what Trump's kills me run. is. Uh, I think Trump. I was will listening to Bill. Him. Well, yeah. Uh, I was listening to Bill Maher the other day, and uh, <laughs> he was like, he was he was actually complimenting Mister De- or the Governor DeSantis for the fact that he reads, and he found that fascinating. He's like, he reads. He's actually a voracious. Uh, consumer of of literature hmm. uh especially about the virus and stuff like that and uh yeah and thus he read up on a subject and then he take he made informed intelligent decisions he protected the people he needed to protect and he let everybody else go about their business which is what should have happened all over the country to begin with right he's uh he's got a pretty big uh his history after graduating high school, he went to Yale. He was captain of the varsity baseball team when he graduated from Yale, magna cum laude. He then was a history teacher, and then he went to Harvard, mm-hmm. um, which is where he uh, graduated. Harvard Law went into the Navy, mm-hmm. and then he was... Uh, uh, part of JAG, 
mm-hmm. in the Navy. He was assigned to SEAL Team 1 when he deployed to Iraq. And then when he came back, he was assistant U.S. attorney at the U.S. attorney's office. You know, so he's had a, <clears throat> he was awarded the Bronze Star Medal. Um, he got the Navy and the Marine Commendation Medal. Um, so he's a pretty, rather interesting career. Pretty decorated before becoming, uh, yeah, I think governor and then uh, president in 2024. People showed up. Well, people showed up this week for Trump. He held that re- held that rally this past weekend in mm-hmm. Ohio. Yes, and he's still that popular that he can pull that big of a crowd. Yeah. Now a lot of people will just say because that's dumb Republicans who aren't afraid of COVID, and then you still have all the the people on the left who are afraid of COVID. Um, you know, I, I watched one of the. Here, Speaking of COVID, they, they were talking about even if uh, I heard somebody at a report saying that even if you've had the COVID, you should go out and get the vaccine too. But can you? Can anyone explain to me why? What know. purpose would that serve? How can I be any more protected if I've already had the disease than I am right now? What is that shot going to do? It's just like wearing the masks. It's a. It's an optic. It's to make it look like you care. All you're doing is putting yourself at risk by taking a shot that you don't need. If uh, I had gotten the chicken pox and then they said, well, you need to take the chicken pox vaccine. Why? I'm not going to get chicken pox ever again. What purpose is a vaccine going to do me now? Other than the fact that I could possibly have an allergic reaction to it or something else could go wrong because of it. And, you know, the chances are low. Right with that particular vaccine, but it still could happen. So why put myself at risk for something that when I don't have to, or don't need to, I was talking to my wife yesterday and someone either up at the college where she works at or in the upper echelons of uh, Virginia government had said that her good, her big idea for, uh, being able to tell who's been vaccinated and who hasn't been vaccinated was to have people wear stickers. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. They got a little stars on them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly where I went to. Here, you know. Here's your so, I mean, who is it that wears? Okay, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, here's it with the masks. <clears throat> this, this was a great, the, these people that he's talking to people on the street that ask him about still wearing a mask you know, if you've been vaccinated or if you've had it or... What's your, what's your thought on that? Um, I'm not sure why. Good news for you. Well, you you don't have to wear a mask anywhere outside. Um, okay. There you go. All right. How do you feel? That guy just takes his mask off. He's like, oh, okay. I'm Ami Horowitz, <laughs> and some people are still wearing their masks outside who are fully vaccinated, even though the science says they don't have to. Let's find out why. Why are you wearing a mask outside? It feels weird not to. I just like it. I got used to it. I don't mind wearing it. I guess I'm just used to it, I guess. I just have it on. I forgot it was on. You forgot it was on? Are you vaccinated? Why are you wearing a mask outside? What's your thought process? (laughs) 
No comment. I just feel like I have to wear it. I don't know why. I just want to wear it. Yeah, I guess like my friends wear them, so I'm like, if I'm... I might as well just too. I feel like I won't take off my mask until everybody does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have a very role model, right? I mean, it's just a, it, there's a lot of anxieties with taking the mask off, you know, for the first time. So it's because probably, it's been so long. Yeah, it's like a social anxiety at this point. It's just, you know, mental well-being. So. so it's virtually impossible to get coronavirus outside while you're vaccinated. Okay. Does that change your thought process at all? I mean, not really. I'm just going to keep wearing it. I personally still wouldn't want to take the, the risk anyway. Uh, I don't trust anyone else. So I'm just doing it for my Even health. if the science said it was like basically impossible, it still doesn't matter? Yeah. Extra precaution. Because I want to protect others and there's still risk no matter what. So. So the science says it's virtually impossible to get the coronavirus you're vaccinated or spread it while you're outside. Sure. Does that change your thought at all? I, I know that. But it okay. also sets an example, a visual example. That's how I feel sometimes. I just want to put it on. Because you almost feel like that, like almost a compulsion to do it because we've yeah. been doing it for so long. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly the right thing to say. It's like a pacifier. Inch, very interesting. kid has his pacifier. Sure. You want to take it away, he's surprised. Don't take it away. Oh, like virtue signal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's also a little bit of a protest in a way. The, the protest being like, being... Well... I shouldn't be uh, given the privilege to not wear a mask. Not only have I been double back. I shouldn't be given the privilege to not wear a mask. That has to be the dumbest statement I've ever heard in my life. Vaccinated, mm-hmm. I had COVID. So you're triple. I'm triple. So why? So what do you? Why do you uh, think you're doing it? I think. I think. Be- yeah, that woman said she had been triple vaccinated. She's just been taking all the vaccines. Yeah. Virtually impossible to get coronavirus outside while you're vaccinated. Oh, oh okay. yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's because um, I have been so infuriated people who didn't wear a mask when the whole year. So it's like a display of, I still care. Like my roommate this year was going to be from Singapore before everything changed. And uh, I would just see videos on his Instagram of like, going out clubbing and stuff just because it was safe over there and it was kind of like oh man like if we had actually handled this well be able to like do stuff but i'm just stuck inside if we handle it better we could be doing x than everybody else yeah exactly let's yeah, take them off come on take them off come on there was no logical reason to put those on to begin with and the reason the reason i say that is because the way that they flip-flopped back and forth from yeah, okay, it's good to know it ain't going to do any good. To, yeah, you probably should wear it. Right. You know, that's just... Well, like I said, they're coming out now saying everyone, uh, the WHO's recommending that everyone uh, go back to wearing masks and social distancing, even though, uh, even if you've been vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we are still wearing masks at the jail. Oh, really? Yes. I don't know where. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't wear a mask. Anywhere. I wear a shield. I don't know anywhere that I go now that wears one. Um, that well, if I'm does. not at work, I don't have anything on. I don't, no. No, no. I mean, like when you go in the stores, none of, no workers yeah, no. anywhere wears them. Um, like most of the counties now, that some, I go in. That, I've seen some workers. I've seen some workers, but I, me personally, no, I don't. See, in some of the courthouses, they built, you know, the plastic divider shields between the customers, Mm -hmm. and and a lot of those have taken all that down. 
You have fun. Oh, yeah. Where's my button at? <laughs> you sound like Joe Biden there for a second. Joe Biden. What did I, what'd I do with my button? Where's my button? Oh, there it is. This country is doomed. Good evening. We are live on television right now with an investigation into scam callers. We have the FBI on the line tracking this phone number as we speak. What was your full name again? That's what you do when uh, telemarketers call you. You just play that. Good evening. We are live on television right now with an investigation into scam callers. We have the FBI on the line tracking this phone number as we speak. What was your full name again? Click. Yes. Oh, my gosh. My my parents actually got a phone call late in the evening, and the individual was trying to pass them off as my son as and saying that he has he was in jail and he needed some money to get <laughs> held out. And he, this is where you need to wire the money to. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. Can you I'm go like, I get, hope you didn't uh, fall for it. Like, yeah, yeah, we didn't fall we for need it. you to get $500 in uh, Walmart gift cards and then read us the number over the phone. Go purchase them and then scratch them off the back and read us the number. Well, you, it's insane. Yeah. Well, you have a good evening. We'll uh, plan for next weekend or next week then. Um, all right. Well, all right. all right. Talk to you later. I'll see you later, Dave. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others. Post about it on social media or leave a rating and a review. To catch all the latest from us, you can go to sociallysensitive.com and follow us on Instagram at sociallysensitive and on Twitter at sociallysense. Thanks again and see you next time. Somebody pray for me. The homies in the sky gon' have to wait for me. I can smell your lies. Watch what you say to me. Cause I done seen a lot of shit that I could never talk about.